Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with CC Podcast Conversations in the studio with Andrew, and we're coming off the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, getting ready to go to a, another conference. Christian Product Activa Expo. Yep, and uh, we're pumping out a bunch of conversations that I was able to record during the Cedar Falls Bible Conference last week. And today we're going to highlight an interview with Matthew Stevens. Matthew Stevens was a drummer from our worship band. He's from Thompson Station, Tennessee, and has been in all kinds of places. We love doing podcast interviews with people from Thompson Station, Tennessee, and this is our third. Third. Casey Bethard, the singer-songwriter Casey country Bethard music. and um, David Browning. And David and Elijah Browning. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're all from there, but they're... Yeah, they are. Are they? Yes, they are. Yeah, because we, we sent them the, the newsletter, and uh, when I put in their newsletter addresses, they're all from Thompson Station. That's hilarious. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like our sub-headquarters. So this worship band that we bring to the Bible Conference, this is the second year they've been there. They all lead worship at Thompson Station Church, and Matthew is the drummer. All these guys are in their own right yeah. great musicians. I mean, you get yeah. to Nashville and... Well, I was excited about this one first in the nerdiest way because Matthew Stevens' name has been up on our board, uh, on our roster of people that we need to to do a podcast interview with for darn near since when it became a list. I mean, it's one of the first names we put up on the list. Like because at least a year. Yeah, because you had really gotten, you'd really felt like that there was a good connection and a good interview to be had there um, based on the last time he came. So you got to cross him off. Yeah, I know. I got to, uh, yeah, it felt good to erase that. It's <laughs> one of those people that likes to erase things off the list. But So he's got a pretty well, solid believer very much. who is trying to influence people through his role in music, but he's done a bunch of touring with a bunch of big names. We yeah. were talking before we hit record. The Metallica story is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's just the kind of thing like, like if if one of my friends like told me, "Hey, this is what happened," I would never believe them. But I mean, I I believe that he did it. But it's just it's so far out there. We're not going to spoil it. But how hilarious was it when he's like, oh, "We just pulled the bus up to Target and he went and got clothes for the week." <laughs> I know, I know. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, listen to the story, but but there's so many little nuggets in there that I was just like, no way, no way. <laughs> you you were also saying that enough names were dropped, you had to yeah, sweep, sweep them up, up the, the dustbin. Yeah, there's so many good little. Uh, I mean, he just he's been around. He he's done so much, um, and it's it's great. It's it it reminded me um, a lot of the David Browning part of things, and, and just in that. Um, he's a guy who has been involved in the music industry, rubbed shoulders with a lot of big names, isn't impressed by by somebody just because of their name or because of their fame. He's impressed by somebody because of their faith and their character. And, and just really great insights into um, what is important in the midst of all this fame and the, the music world and all that. 
getting down to, to, to Christ being the, the really important part of life. I just really appreciated that. I thought it was a great interview. For anybody who likes to listen to these in pairs or make connections, David Browning, who we already mentioned, is from Thompson Station, and his son Elijah, who's American Ninja Warrior, they play in the same worship band at the Bible Conference, go to the same church. So if you like this interview, you might like the interview with David and Elijah. Yeah. Uh, you might like the interview with Casey Bethard, like we mentioned. Yeah, definitely. And some other musician interviews. Who else we got? Michael W. Smith, of course. Michael W. Smith. Uh, we have Nathaniel Parrish, who is the worship director uh, at, at Nazareth, which is where our office is, is uh, housed. Um, and that's much more on the traditional side of worship. Uh, organ pieces and, and 12 organ pieces and that. So, yeah, fully the gambit of, of music. We're starting to get enough of these interviews that you could almost categorize them by topic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's we've got a lot of good preachers. Uh, we've got a lot of good, um, you know, sort of music people. And then we've got uh, a lot of people who, um, you know, because of their profession maybe or, or something like that. Yeah, um, a couple of them who were, uh, you know the the story of redemption. They were way down on one one end. Um, Mike Reynolds and Ron Gruber. Yeah, or, Josh Broom. Or, or Josh Broom. Um, yeah, I mean guys who were uh, in jail or or in very much the wrong side of life and and made a comeback because of of the Lord. And yeah, uh, very much. I I hadn't thought of that before, but we should. Uh, try and group them together a little bit. One of the things I love is these stories. I love knowing the stories myself and getting getting to learn them and hear these stories, but also to have a platform like the CC Podcast Conversation so other people can be blessed by them. And our, our hope is not just that people are hearing a cool story, but that yeah. somehow they can see the same God at work in their lives who is in the lives of the people who we're interviewing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, we want – our tagline has been – uh, inspiring stories from interesting Christians, and that that inspiring part is 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 vital because, um, I mean, as much as as we want to to be, and now the rest of the story, um, mm-hmm. that's not our purpose. We're we're not here to to entertain. Uh, A little deeper than that. Yeah, we want we want God to inspire. So interview. So enjoy this interview with Matthew Stevens, and thanks for tuning in. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. I'm with Matthew Stevens from a worship band that we call Thompson Station, which isn't even officially the name of any band, but they're from Thompson Station Church in Thompson Station, Tennessee, here at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, leading worship for us. Have been here for the last couple years. How many times have you been to Iowa before you started coming for us? I've been many times being in the music business for so long, and uh, I just love it. You know, I grew up in... In northeastern Kentucky, you know, in the mountains, and just there's there's green everywhere, and uh, so I love to travel to different parts of the the country, and um, this really reminds me uh, where we are now, um, you know, just of of Kentucky Tennessee kind of vibe. Um, so yeah, it's you know making us feel right at home. Now I should know my geography better, but northeast Kentucky. I'm going to a conference in about a week in Lexington. Mm-hmm. What is that? That's where I went to college is in the middle part of the state. Okay. So my hometown, Ashland, is the very northeast corner. So it's up on the Ohio River, and it's right on um, the the tri-state line with Ohio and West Virginia. So you cross one bridge, you're in Ohio, the other bridge, you're in West Virginia, and it's just that that area up there. Cool. (laughs) So we've been talking about doing this interview for a while, and you said you're in the music business, and we're going to get into some of that. 
Uh, but just without getting into the weeds at all, just a quick overview or a teaser for what kind of things you've done in the music business, which we'll come back to later. Sure. Uh, well, for 26, 27 years now, since I moved to Nashville, I've uh, been a drummer, uh, and then which has led into other things as well, being uh, a, a production uh, person, audio engineer, uh, production manager, tour manager for a lot of artists. <clears throat> so I, I wear many hats and um, you know, also have a couple of businesses in Nashville, too. So I, I try to stay working. What are your businesses? Hard. I own um, a radio-controlled hobby shop. It's a retail store for nine years called uh, Extreme Hobby Shop. And we do all the, the high-end radio-controlled, you know, cars, trucks, planes. Uh, Even planes? Drones. Oh, yeah, boats. And so all that, that stuff yeah. isn't like... <clears throat> I mean, they're radio control, but I figured all that stuff was like a completely different industry because of how different it would be. Planes versus cars, for instance. Well, they're all uh, controlled remotely um, through radio systems, and it's a hobby that's been around. I mean, Matt, I started and I built my first radio controlled car um, in 1983. I was 10. And so the planes have been around since like the 70s. And, um, you know, technology's obviously changed a lot since then. So, um, you know, now with everything being high tech, we, we're, we're selling all the hobby grade stuff. So it's not the stuff you buy at Walmart and Target. It's, you know, true high end. I mean, our, our slow trucks, our slower trucks will do 35 miles an hour. Wow. And, and we, you know, sell stuff that's 80 and 90, 100 mile an hour too. So. What's the movie? Um Ocean's Eleven. Yes. When they race like a hobby truck versus a real one, those two yes. twin brothers. Yes. That's exactly what we <laughs> can do. Can they go? How fast can one top out at? Our production cars that we sell um, are um, 100 miles an hour out of the box. So Holy that's smokes. if they're one tenth scale, that's a thousand miles an hour if they were real. Oh my now, gosh! Our, our stuff is anywhere from you know two hundred dollars to a thousand and over. So there's a wide range of all that kind of stuff that we, we do offer. But, um, yeah, and, and then obviously me being into the hobby for so long, um, we do a lot of repairs, and then my, my, uh, both my sons work for me too when they're not in college. And so we, you know, I started it um, when I was on tour and just kind of getting burnt out with the whole traveling all the time. I miss my family. You know, my, my boys are uh, now they're 21 and 19. So... I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And at that time, I was like, well, I, I'll work at Home Depot. I'll do whatever I need to do um, to help take care of my family. And um, my wife, in, in passing, said, well, you got all these radio-controlled stuff in the garage. You should open up a hobby shop. Heck yeah. And that was nine years ago. Do what you know, <laughs> yeah. right? And so prayed about it. And... My friends, um, you know, in the hobby world, they were like, Matthew, that is the worst thing you can do because online is so competitive Yeah, that you're, you know, to have a brick and mortar sh um, shop with the rent and the utilities and just all that kind of st the peripheral stuff that you have to go in, in owning a business, which I had never done at the time. Um, and, and just praying about it, my heart just said, you know, you've, you know, just trust and obey and jump out there and just see what happens so my parents were really um supportive of that and my mom who's um my business manager all, oh, sweet. all this time so she's That's awesome. got a history in banking and, and all of that she said let's do this <clears throat> so 
I opened it up and I, uh, I said, I'll give it six months. And if it doesn't work, I'll do something else. But praying the whole time, I was like, Lord, I want to be different. I've always been different in everything that I've done. Um, so I want to do something that will be for the community. I love kids, not just my own, but I love everyone else's kids too. They're just, that's where you and me are different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, with this, this hobby shop, it's allowed me to, um, you know, us to, to reach out to the community. There's a lot of people that have no idea about radio controlled stuff. And there's a lot of people that do but have maybe been out of the hobby for years and they're just wanting to get back into it but technology's changed so we're able to teach these folks uh and it's not just a guy sport either there's a lot of a lot of girls a lot of moms a lot of grandmas that are doing it too sweet to connect yes. with their kids because you know right now we live in a uh, an ipad world we live in a xbox world where kids of of any age are always on their laptops or their iPods or Xboxes. So this is something that they can leave their electronic devices, go out in the yard, play with them, go to a park, and then have someone else in their family, friends, kids, you know, whatever, that they can do it with. And the Lord's really blessed us. That's awesome. It's been nine years and we're still going, going strong. I mean, I get that. Uh, you know that we own some fireworks stores, me and three other guys. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's been manna from heaven because it allows me to work some ministry jobs that maybe you don't get paid a ton at but we're making a plenty of money selling fireworks mm-hmm. and i've got this entrepreneurial scratch you know that I need, or itch that i need to scratch once mm-hmm. in a while which i'm sure you can relate to that and uh the whole thing of opening a brick and mortar store and the risk where's your store at what's it called uh, it's called Extreme Hobby Shop, and it's in Spring Hill, Tennessee. So it's maybe five miles away from Thompson Station, where I live, uh, right on Main Street. It's a, a little bitty community that uh, is the fastest growing community in the state of Tennessee wow. at, at the moment. But it's right on the right on the main drag, and uh, and we're in a basement. <laughs> we're in a concrete basement that. Um, you know, we have a dentist office above us and stuff. So we've got signs, but it's like the best little kept secret in Spring Hill. People that have lived there this whole time, they come in and they said, well, we've never known that you're here. Um, a lot of word of mouth, a lot of, uh, you know, schools and, and you know, um, organizations that have worked with us in the past. And so it's really good. But my building, half of it's my recording studio. Perfect. And then the other half is my hobby shop. So I spend a lot of time there. But, you know, during COVID, uh, where everything was closed and mm. there was nothing to do. The parents and grandparents, <laughs> they said, you got to get out of the house and do something. So we were slammed. That's awesome. I mean, you know, how have you cracked really the good. nut of not being pounded by Amazon or online? Cause fireworks is insulated <laughs> from that. Sure. I don't know if I've got the guts to go head to head with yeah. online. Well, that's, that's a tough, uh, a tough one. And it's always a challenge because I'm a consumer as well. So when I go into a store, then, you know, I'll check prices on my phone. Of course. And every one of my customers do the same. So I price everything, or we price everything, the lowest we can, which is competing with these online companies. Yep. Um, but then where we, we get the business is that we offer those value-added services, such as, you know, discount on their labor, all the free knowledge that they will listen to. Um, so try... You know, I, I tell people, I, I said, you know, 
you know, Amazon can't shake your hands like we can. Yeah. Look yeah. you in the eye, take you step by step through this. Any yeah. question, any comment, you're not going to have to email us and wait five days. Right. You come in and you see us and that's where, you know, it's a family owned business and we, uh, we've weathered the storm when it comes to, you know, the online you that's know, awesome. big box reach. You said you own businesses. Mm -hmm. What's your other business? It is my recording studio. Okay. So we do, you know, full production. Um, we, we have um, uh, a rehearsal space where bands, artists that are gearing up for a tour can come in and rehearse. We also have um, a full on recording studio that they can record an album. They can um, do demos and things like that. But uh, one thing I'm really excited about is, is my drum school that I have. I have uh, 10 kids that I teach drums to cool. uh, every week. And, um, you know, it, it seasons, you know, where one will go into something else and then, you know, I get another student. But I like to keep it right at 10 and kind of know more than that. Um, but I've, we've trained up five. Uh, five of my students uh, are actually playing worship now. For, oh, wow. Um, and, and our church, Thompson Station Church there, um, the worship leaders there are really cool to let that be an avenue that the kids can play worship in a controlled environment yep. so we'll when they're ready i take them to the kids ministry and let them play in the kids ministry and then they graduate from that into youth and then they graduate into the main worship and do camps and stuff like that so i'm equipping these drummers to I go i was just out. talking to david about you guys maybe doing a little bit of that next year yes at the bible conference he mentioned that to me today and i said that's that's fantastic that we can, uh, you know, spend time with the, the younger generation here and, uh, and be mentors. That'd be cool. And yeah, we'd love to be a part of that. So uh, were you raised, you were just telling me your parents were tuning into the Bible conference, so they must be Christians. Absolutely. And were they your whole growing up? Oh, yes. I was raised um, Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. and uh, my, my parents are, are still, um, you know, very active in their church. The Dad's the head of the deacons, and mm -hmm. mom, mom is the... Uh, uh, accountant for the church and so they uh, they've just always brought me and I have one uh, sibling my older brother um, but yeah we just grew up in the church um, which obviously is a part of my testimony in, in itself but um, tell that well um, you know my my parents are fantastic I mean I could not ask for better parents um, they love the Lord they love their family um, my brother, who is a doctor, he's a pediatrician, very, very successful. Um, is he into RC? No. No, he needs to start buying the remote did, control. Let's go, brother. Get, he did get me into music, uh, which is a cool little story. So when I was kind of, I, I don't know if I would call it the heathen of the family, but I was just always into, you know, small attention span. So I was into... You know, I was into uh, sports and I was into girls and I was into, you know, just, mm -hmm. I guess, misbehaving a little bit. Yep. <laughs> but um, so I was, it was my senior year of high school. I was 17 and my brother started playing electric guitar hmm. and it was loud in our little house. And I was trying to talk to girls on the phone. <laughs> so as a little brother would do. Um, you know, I, he had a snare drum set up out, right outside his bedroom. And I said, you know, to whoever I was talking to, I said, uh, hold on just a second. And I laid the phone down and I went over there, picked up drumsticks and just started wailing on the snare drum. 
as loud and as obnoxious as I could. And he would stop playing guitar. And I would walk back over and pick up the phone and start it up again. <laughs> Did that a couple of times, Matt. And my brother comes out. Now, we were completely polar opposites. He was into books and academics and all that, and I was not. Mm -hmm. So he comes out and he says, Matthew, that sounded great. You, can you do that a little bit more with this, you know, create this beat for whatever Beatles song or whatever he wow. was doing? And it gave me a little bit of affirmation right then. And I said, okay. So fast forward, we put our first little band together. You and your brother? Yep. Oh, cool. And we were called The Perimeter. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we started playing some little festivals and stuff like just in our little community. And um, what kind of music? That it was classic rock. Yeah. Um, you know, from I mean, uh, ZZ Top, uh, Pink Floyd, you know, that kind of AC stuff. ACDC? ACDC. Could someone yeah. pull off the vocals? Uh, my brother was the singer of this band. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so we we put together this band and started, you know, playing around. And obviously he was um, four years older than me, so he went on to medical school and, you know, all that stuff. And I did not. So, <laughs> um, but that kind of sparked my musical, um, you know, endeavor that way. And it made me realize, hey, if you play drums, you know, you're going to be, <laughs> girls like drummers more than they like RC, you know, yeah, guys that yeah. play with toy cars, you know, <laughs> so that, I, you know, I, I chose the music thing to, um, you know, and kind of put the radio controlled stuff down for a while, uh, never, you know, believing that in, you know, 30 more years or whatever that I would have my own radio controlled yeah, store, you know, crazy. So, yeah. And that, that's what, um, that's what got me into music. So, um, with the, the whole testimony thing, um, I, I, I tell this story sometimes, you know, that every revival we would have, I would go down front. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Every, every vacation Bible school, I thought I needed to be saved again. Yep. Uh, baptized probably more than any one person in, in the Baptist congregation, <laughs> that was me. And um, so when I was in college, um, you know. Where'd you go to college? Uh, University of Kentucky, there in, in Lexington. Yep. And so I, I went, because that was the thing to do. You know, that was, you know, you, but my heart was in, in music. And so how I, I and my, my kids who are in college now, they, they joke with me because <clears throat> my wife graduated college. I did. I went three years and quit. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those things that I wished I would have just stayed that extra year, got my degree. And, but I mean, who cares at this point? Well, right? we're all right. It's, it's just a, you know, a notch on your resume, I guess, for whatever that means. Yeah. But I, um, you know, that's, and then finally one day with, you know, the, being in college, music, relationship that would end or, or whatever. Um, I just, the Lord was tugging on me like really, really hard to, you know, to, to have a more intimate relationship with him because when you go to a secular college and when you're around a bunch of secular people, it causes your brain to start thinking different things mm -hmm. of, of, um, you know, uncertainty, worry, doubt, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord really latched onto me like hardcore. And um, 
I, I remember talking to one of our pastors that has since a few years ago went to be with the Lord, but I was just real with him. I, I put all the Christianese aside and the whole, you know, way to talk to people and how, mm-hmm. how to be sensitive about this and that and kind of innuendos and all. And I just said, listen, this is where I am. And I, it, it really stinks. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, well, you just need Jesus. And I said, but I've got Jesus. He said, if you did, none of this would be going on. Yeah. And so when I, I really come to know the Lord and, and was baptized, you know, I, a couple of the deacons and ushers and stuff were like, how many is this, Matthew? How, how many is, you know, are, are your fingers pickled at this point? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and, and it's, it's been a walk like that, you know, ever since that, um, you know, and, and being in the music business too, uh, and traveling all over the world and, and all the, the things that I've done, um, it's tough being the only Christian in the band a lot of times. Oh gosh, especially some of the bands you've been in. Yeah, yeah, and and it's the only by the grace of God that it's kept me safe and kept me sane. And um, you know, a lot of that is just keeping keeping myself busy when I'm playing drums and tour managing. There's not a lot of time at all to get into any trouble. Mm. <laughs> and when I'm production managing, running front of house sound for these we're busy the entire time. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's always kind of a, you know, a safety blanket around, yeah. you know, some of these guys that, you know, we, we talk that I talk to and they share their, their heart with me. Um, you know, that's one of the things I said, well, you just need to stay more active. You know, you just need to hang out with me for a couple of days and you can, you yeah. can see that, you know, opportunity will present itself good and bad. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're, you know, around the dark places, well, then it's going to be um, very enticing to 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 go there mm-hmm. uh, if if you're around it. <clears throat> but um, what I've noticed too is that you know, just starting your day, praying, staying as as close to the Lord as um, as you can, He's going to send people your way. Yeah. Um, even out on tour with a secular band yep. or, um, you know, at a restaurant, or at a hotel lobby, you know, and, and it's, it's amazing how you hear stories all the time, or, or I do about people that can sense that there's something different. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the poster child for the perfect, you know, Christian dude, but, um, but if you just allow them to share their hearts with you, yeah. you know, everybody's going through a lot of stuff and it's not all roses and you know caviar all the time so, yeah um, so yeah. let's get into some of your music career and <clears throat> we went out to buffalo wild wings last year with a group of you mm-hmm. and there's people sharing stories it wasn't like i don't know where this was in your progression but didn't metallica like jo- ask you to get on their bus like yeah. you're some fan and, <laughs> can you tell that story or not sure sure it's a it's a good story and, and where does that fit in the whole like I mean, I spent some time in politics. Now I've been in ministry, and I, I, I mean, I. It's not like this is anything big time, but I've been around enough to know that sometimes just crazy circumstances fall in your lap, mm-hmm. and it changes the course of where you're headed and what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, this sounds like a crazy circumstance, but you were probably doing stuff anyway already. Well, I, I was still in college, and a, a friend of mine uh, invited me to go to. Uh, one of the Metallica shows in Louisville. And so, um, 
I was a big Metallica fan, and and I was like, okay, Lars Ulrich. I mean, the drummer. Hello, I I learned every song on the the Black album when it yeah. came out. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I was like, okay, yeah, let's. But you know, they had snake pit passes, and they had you know backstage passes, and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna get to meet the drummer. Your friends had these. Yes. Why? Just because. Well, the the th- the the story is is that. Uh, my friend, who was a girl, her stepmom used to date Lars, but kept in touch, was just a friend, you know, of, of his. And so she got the passes. Where are those guys we from? we went. Uh, California. I mean, okay. that's kind of where they, yeah. Okay. Uh, San Francisco. Area. Okay. So <laughs> we go up there. Concert was fantastic. I'm literally just a couple of feet away from Lars as they're playing the show. And I'm thinking, I see, you know, his sweat dripping. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm as close to one of my heroes as I can be. So yeah. after the show, we go backstage and there was a, a group of people. Um, and Lars comes out and was an absolute jerk to everybody. And I'm thinking, no, no, it can't be. <laughs> And he was, you know, I mean, obviously fans at a, after a show, they're clingy and they're whatever. So yeah. I, I don't, but I just was thinking to myself, that's, he's not a very nice man. And then after maybe 10 minutes, they're getting ready to, you know, leave. They've, the band came out and kind of met everybody. And I'm standing there and he walks right past me and looks at me and goes, well, have I met you? And I said, no, my name's Matthew. And he's like, oh, okay. And literally for the next 20, 30 minutes, we just started talking about drums. And like, about, is this in the like bowels of a stadium or where is this at? It was backstage in the stadium. Yeah. 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 Or um, in the arena. <clears throat> and so. Like the Louisville basketball arena? Or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And then, so we, <laughs> we ended up talking and hanging out and everybody started, you know, security started rushing everybody away. And, uh, and he said, you know, where do you go to college? And I said, well, Lexington and University of Kentucky. He said, well, we're going to be there next weekend. And I said, oh, cool. I'd love to come to the show. And he said, well, usually we fly to every show, but the routing on this little tour next week is going to be on buses. We all have our own buses. And he said, well, if you're going to be there, and because I had told him I was on spring break that next week. Okay. He said, well, just hop on the bus and come hang out. Now, in retrospect, <laughs> I don't, may, maybe he was joking. I don't know. But I said, okay, I'll do it. So I jumped on the bus. You had and, no clothes. Oh, no, no, no. We, we, <laughs> the funny part of it, I had one extra outfit in my car where I had um, been home in my hometown of Ashland. So I had a little overnight bag. I used to go home every weekend and have my mom wash my clothes. You know, yeah, as yeah. everybody does in college. Yeah. <laughs> my kids do that now yeah. in college. <clears throat> so, but we stopped at a, um, was it a Target or Walmart or whatever? And I went in and bought like, you know, one of those big packs of underwear that you get yeah. and the socks and all that stuff. So that's literally, I, I, my whole outfit. What is Metallica like walking around for, with Target? Oh, no, no, no. They dropped me off and I went in and got my stuff and so they stopped right just for down. you absolutely see so what e- happened everybody here? no everybody had their own bus so they would just poof and go and it was just me and lars on our bus that is insane 
Well, it's it was one of those things like afterwards, and even that next weekend, I'm like, you know, it was no cameras, no nothing like that, right? They signed, you know, signed a bunch of stuff for me, but I said, I've got to have proof that I'm doing this. <laughs> so I called up my brother and uh, who was at So you literally traveled with him all week long? Yeah, we went to five shows. Oh, yeah. So you called your brother? It was amazing. Called my brother and I said, you've got to come to this show this weekend in Lexington at Rupp Arena. Yep. And, uh, and he was like, okay. So me and my brother were in the snake pit just jamming to Metallica that next. And then afterwards, we went backstage and he met Lars and everybody. And he was like, oh, this is awesome. So, I, and I mean, and they're like, he just spent the last week with us and it was great. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was, I don't, I mean, you know, he was busy through the day, you know, doing interviews and phoners and stuff like that. And we, we played tennis a couple of times and all the guys in the band did something. So, you know, James would get a bass boat delivered to him every show and he would go out bass fishing and Kirk would hit like all the antique shops and things like that so um but yeah it was it was something now keep in mind i'm still in college i had no idea that i was moving to Nat to nashville or chase my dream in music i was a drummer at the time but that was it right i was studying business hopes to becoming an attorney one day so it was all just like oh this is cool i got to meet a, a hero of mine not working the angle of hey you I'm know, gonna be a drummer. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a. a star but this isn't just meat. I mean, I'm a baseball <clears throat> fan, so we go to baseball games. My son and I are seeing the Yankees play in every ballpark. It's fun. It's great. And I used to be way into like tracking guys down, getting autographs, all that stuff. I'm not really into that anymore. But I mean, I've done that, and I've been in that scene. And so, like, if if you get your guy, and you get an autograph from him, and you like get to talk to him for 30 seconds. Like that's the, like yeah, that's amazing. That is huge. And no, now you're like week. on a bus with a dude for a week. Like, what the flip? And like, like who else is on this bus? Just you and Lars? Yeah, just well the bus driver, and and that was it. But at every every stop, you know, every tour stop, you know, they had a tour manager, they had a tour accountant, they had you know. Weren't they like like who people. the heck's this kid and how did he get up? Why are we feeding well, him? Well, <laughs> what they started saying was I was his little brother, because now keep in mind. Lars had a little mullet back then, and I had my little mullet back then. And so we, we people would say, you look a lot like Lars. And it was like, well, I'm from Kentucky, and he's from Denmark. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of differences there. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things, you know, as years went on, it was, it was like, did that really happen? Right. And did, why did that happen? Right. You know, what yeah, was, that's, that's what I'm trying to figure what out. was the defining moment of, you know, everything being in alignment. You'll hear me talk about alignment of how things happen. And most of the time, Matt, I'll just say it, it happened for a reason. I, I try not to, you know, overanalyze things of different opportunities that I've had, you know, and people talk and, and they ask me questions and, you know, it's like, I don't want to be this egotistical maniac right. that has a resume a mile long. You know, I, I'm just glad that I was blessed enough to be in those opportunities yeah. for those moments and those little seasons that has brought me here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you see, totally. so I, I know it sounds vague or, but, and PC, but that's, that's kind of how that was. So then after 
after college, you know, I, college just wasn't for me. Do you think that that whole experience with Metallica or Lars, even though you said you weren't really angling it for being a drummer, I mean, it had to have had an impression and been huge in like moving you that direction. Huge. Because in sound checks, I got to play on that kit. Um, it was the Black Album tour, so the center of the stage was cut out, and they filled with people. They called it the Snake Pit. On two sides of the stage, they had Lars's drum kit that would come out of the uh, floor and up to the stage, like on hydraulics. Yep. So there were two kits, and in the show, uh, James, the lead singer, would get on one kit, and they would do a dueling drum solo, right? Which was kind of cool. Yeah. You can YouTube it and all that. Yeah. So in sound checks, um, you know, he would get on a kit, I would get on a kit, and the first time I was shaking so bad I couldn't hold hold on to the drumsticks. I'd, I'd <laughs> drop them. He was like, "Come on, Matthew, pick up your sticks. Hold. We got to gaff tape those sticks to your hands." But it was surreal because I'd never been on a stage that big, in an arena, where the band perspective, where you're looking out and obviously seeing every empty seat in the right. arena. But the perspective of, wow, it's a, it's a humbling experience, but it's also, um, you know, it's just fascinating how, you know, all those people are looking at you. Yeah. And you have to know exactly what you're playing. Yep. And, you know, don't mess up. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like here at the Cedar Falls <laughs> Bible <laughs> Conference. <clears throat> That's Sorry. very cool. So it, you go back to college, you realize, like, college isn't for me. Right. And then what? Um, so then I, I just, you know, was continuing to play drums and, um, you know, hone that craft, playing in some little bar bands and stuff around the area of, of my hometown. And just, um, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus was from my hometown. <clears throat> my aunt, who was very instrumental in getting me into music and, and all that stuff, she helped get him his record deal. And so he was around and I was going to all the, um, you know, events and stuff. Some I would play, some I wouldn't play just being in an audience, but, um, you know, the achy breaky heart video. Oh yeah. I was in that video. You are, I wasn't playing the drums, but I'm in the front of the crowd. So there's a couple of different times you can see me with my big, big long mullet <coughs> of that. I'm gonna go look for it. And, and I thought, wow, this is something I really want to do. I, I want to be in music. I, I, I like this, you know, the attention and the, the energy and, and all of that. So um, everybody at the time was, you know, from, from my hometown, Nashville, six and a half hours away, mm -hmm. a lot closer than L.A. or New York or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So <clears throat> I, I packed everything up, moved to Nashville, didn't know one person. And I was, <laughs> you know, I was going to uh, you know, chase my dream and... <clears throat> Uh, become, you know, a rock star drummer in Nashville. Moved to town and started waiting tables. Mm -hmm. Actually, busing tables first. Yeah. But then I started just setting in because there was a there was a jam night somewhere, several times a week at different clubs and things. And so I would just go in there and beg to play drums with whatever that little bar band is, and you know, finally they would let me, and I, uh, you know. A couple of different places you know I didn't drink at all you know and and so they people would <laughs> come and say hey let me buy you a drink and it's like no but I'll take the cash yeah. um, <laughs> to survive <laughs> um, so then 
um, the uh, there was this one place that in order to play with these musicians that were all touring musicians. So I believe that that's how I had to get my in was becoming, you know, rubbing elbows with them. Um, but you had to buy a drink. So I would literally buy a drink and, you know, hold it in my hand and then sneak away and pour a little bit out each time in a trash can. You're committed to this. Just so people would see me with that. And my buddy that was with me, he was like, why are you doing that? You're spending money. Just get a a Coke and have them put it in another glass. I said, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. But that's how, um, you know, moving on, I started just frequenting these places. And by this time, this is after your college years. So like you're solid with the Lord. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, being in town and, and my parents, you know, they, they live six and a half hours away, but daily calls of where you're at, you know, um, not just physically, but mentally, spiritually. Yeah, that's cool. And um, then, you know, mom calling and saying, what church did you visit today on Sunday? <laughs> it's like, I want to know what it is and, and all that. So, yeah. Um, and then... You know, sitting in with all these players, they just kind of got to know me. And then there was, uh, um, you know, opportunities to do, you know, and go and play for free. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, well, okay, well, you got to play for free. You got to pay. You got to pay your dues, right? Yeah. Yep. And then that led to, hey, so and so's recording a demo. Do you want to go play on their demo? Now, of course, it's free, but it's experience and totally. It's, so I did that for a long time, and uh, just you know was learning, and and different people would be put in my path, and. Then I started doing, um, you know, uh, kind of faking it till I make it kind mm-hmm. of thing where it's like, um, you know, people would, would say, oh, um, have you played on tour? It's like, yeah, I hadn't played on tour at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, of course. And so, well, okay, then you want to go on out tour on this tour? Metallica. Yeah, they right. Well, beat on the drums during soundcheck. <laughs> that's right. So, um, and then, you know, it's, you get your first gig. And then for some reason, everything is, you changes. know, changes. And people think that just because you've got a, your first gig, then automatically you're, you've um, made it. You, you, yeah, you're, you're, um, you know, ready to conquer the world. And there's people right now that have never had their tours that are still playing on Broadway in Nashville for tips that are phenomenal players. Wow. So it's just one of those things that you just got to be at the right time, the right place at the right time. Yeah. And, and then it just started going where the whole audio engineering thing, you know, people were like, hey, you know, we've got a drummer, but do you run sound? And I'll I learn it. Of course I do. Absolutely. I run sound. I run sound in my car when, <laughs> when you got the treble and the bass and all that. And, and so, you know, because hey, I, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I'm, I'm actually, you know, a sound guy, sound human. <laughs> and so I would start doing that and learned all the stuff about. Audio. This reminds me of the dudes that like lied about their age to get into the military and like storm D-Day. Yeah, you know, right. Like, oh, yeah. All of well, a sudden, you, I wouldn't be compared to that hero. But, no, but, but, but I anyway. mean, it's like all of a sudden you do this little thing, but it puts you on this big stage for some of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, so it, it, it was just one of those things. And, hey, 
uh, do you tour manage? Because, you know, and I, I remember asking a buddy of mine years ago, what's a tour manager? He said, it's just a babysitter. Mm-hmm. It's just, just, a, it's just a babysitter. I said, well, I can do that. I babysit, you know, kids when I was in the youth group, you know, yeah. so I, this is fine. Um, so yeah, just being able to do anything and, um, you know, obviously you got to be good because you can only say that, you know, way you back, back in, up, the, in yeah. the younger years where you know, you're playing the little tiny watermelon festival or the, yeah. you know, garlic, fe- you know, whatever it is. But, um, you know, and I've had the opportunity to, um, teach, you know, college kiddos about this and, and they think, you know, like my son, who's amazing audio engineer producer and he's got songs on the on the charts and uh you know taught him how to run sound and taught him how to play the drums and he's phenomenal but he graduates this uh december a semester early Mm -hmm. uh with an audio engineering degree i mean he's like got all these awards and stuff like that and and you know i tell him i said i'm a road scholar because i learned this on the road (laughs) (laughs) Uh, whereas now they just have this format to at these universities to teach these young people all the stuff that it's taking me years and years and years to figure out now there's you know uh, academics for that so I, I but think don't you think <clears throat> that the road scholar has something more than just academic knowledge absolutely way it's, more well and it's way more problem solving Yep. Because a fire will come out of nowhere, and it's not in that book that you read, had, right. had to do your, you know, uh, test on. But yes, and it, but you know, with Caleb too, it you know he's he's had both because he's been around me, right. you know, doing all that stuff. And I've, I've uh, you know, one of the uh, favorite sayings to my kids is, "We'll figure it out." Yeah, figure it out. You know, I grew up on MacGyver. Yeah. So you give me a roll of duct tape and a Swiss Army knife, and I'll fix it. Yeah. Well, today it's not as, you know, important for people. W- the world says it's not as important for people to figure this stuff out. But yeah. I, I've always done that with my kids, and it's um, it's allowed them to be, you know, uh, you know, forward thinkers and, and problem solvers and and all of that. Because, like you said, you know, the the road with me. Um, you know, I I couldn't have learned that in a book. Now there was a lot that. I did. I wished I would have had a book to learn. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's just so, different now. So you finally kind of break <clears throat> through. You get your first gig. Now, I mean, fast track us to like, what are some of the coolest things you've done in your own opinion, or or what are some of the things that people who know your story say are the coolest things you've done? Yeah, um, I have two nieces. One is in medical school right now, following her daddy's footsteps, uh, and then the other one's in a design, uh, you know, studying design. And I remember when, <clears throat> when they were younger, um, they didn't care all these artists that I played with and would, you know, be on tour and be in other countries and stuff. All they cared about was that I was the drummer <laughs> for a young lady named Taylor Swift. So they're yeah. like, I don't care what other When she was gig. country or pop? When she was country, yeah. In her early, early, early years, um, you know, we put a band together for for her and started playing some shows and just getting, you know, Nashville aware of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she blew up, um, you know, I mean, going from 
play in, you know, once a month or, you know, something like that to 290 shows a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a, that's a huge change. And I wasn't with her then, but I was on to other, you know, other bands of you know, Restless Heart and Colin Ray and Colin Ray. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played with him. Um, I loved I, Colin Ray. I started out as his, uh, front of house engineer. Um, and then uh, tour manager, and then um, it it transformed to maybe a month later um, he let his manager go, and then hired me as his manager manager, <clears throat> and so I had already worked for several artist managers in Nashville mm-hmm. years years before that and learned from them and took care of some some big acts, um, and then um, so obviously as his manager you know kind of calling the shots and we had a new album that we came out with and was doing a lot of media stuff on tv shows and i said hey um i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be your drummer too and he said what are you are you a drummer and i said yeah and i'm also gonna sing all your harmony parts too (laughs) and he said but okay okay (laughs) so that's how I became, and even in the shows that we did after that, he said, you know, Matthew's the hardest working man in show business because, and then he would pull out his fingers, you know, and say, he's, he's my drummer. <laughs> he sings my harmonies. Uh, he's my manager. You know, he's, he's my road manager and my, my art, you know, artist manager. So that was, that was huge. Um, it, was, it was a lot of work. It was the biggest music opportunity as far as time management was concerned mm-hmm. when I had to do so much. Uh, but it was great because um, I grew up on all those songs of his. You know, I had 16 number one hits and, you know. Little Rock, baby. 10 I platinum mean, albums. Oh, one yeah. of the greatest songs of all time. Absolutely. And we played those shows and people would literally, you know, the, the whole show was his hits. Right? Yeah. And then a couple of the new ones that, <laughs> it's funny, there were great new songs, but nobody wanted to no hear that. No one cares. That's when they went to the bathroom, or that's when they went <laughs> yeah. and got a beer. Yeah. And, and then they came back singing every word to every other song. Right. Um, that's but, awesome. So many songs um, that, that he did. Um, so, yeah, and, and then there's just, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of um, you know, country artists that. Um, Take some off. I want to, <clears throat> I'm, I'm curious, who are some of the ones that you've worked with? Um Let's see, Mark Chestnut, mm-hmm. already said Colin Ray, uh, Chris Cagle. Um, He's newer, right? Let's see. Well, he was out like 2000, oh, or, okay. early okay. 2000s. And then um, David Nail. Uh, He's newer. Yeah, he is. He uh, had a great song. His What was his first huge hit? David Nail. Oh, my It's about rain, maybe? Yeah, my, I don't remember. My wife would know. She she keeps up on. She says my memory's kind of cloudy in my older age. You know what's interesting? I it's, just saw him. I hit a quick David Nail story. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. He was huge, right? And we were playing shows, and and um, so last. Well, I flew here on Saturday, so Friday. You mean just yeah, last th- week? This past week, yeah. Um. My younger son David and I were in Target, in Spring Hill. And we're at the checkout line. There is 20 registers. One of them is open. Okay. So there's this line of people, a couple people in front of me, then me. And, and, you know, David, my son's with me. 
And I turn around and this guy walks behind me and kind of stops and looks. And I turn around and I said, David? And he said, Matthew, it's David Nail. <laughs> and the target walking with his, his kid. And uh, so we caught up really, really quick. It's been, you know, several years since I've, I've talked to him, but you know, it's like, we're just chilling in target, you know, walking around. So that's all it is. Let it rain. L- let it rain. Yeah, it yeah. 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 Um, let it rain. So one <clears> of the things, and I did, so the Iowa caucuses are in Iowa. Huh? First in the nation caucus. Oh yeah. This place is thick as thieves with people running for president. Yeah. And, and you can run. Are into, you going to run for president by the way? <laughs> no, 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 no. If there, you do, I'm going to vote for you. There you was you're a, amazing. I ran for the state legislature. Did you? A couple times lost by a whisker. Okay. Got that out of my system. Okay. But of the caucuses, you can run into any of these candidates and have coffee with them. I mean, mm-hmm. they're here all the time leading up to a caucus because mm-hmm. we're first in the nation. So I think a bunch of us get bit by the political bug in Iowa, maybe disproportionate to other states, just because the access and the hype that's around that. So I worked for um, Mike Huckabee in 2008. He won the Iowa caucuses. I played his show. He played bass and I played drums on his TV show. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. He's, he's a great dude. He's a good dude. Yeah. yeah. And then 2012, I was involved in an organization that was really, it was a Christian organization that did political things. And so kind of close to all that and kind of vetting the candidates. And so you're around all these people. And then kind of, you know, around, not like Taylor Swift and Colin Ray, not these big, big icons, but I mean, presidential candidates yeah. and um, some political figures and, and And I'm telling you this because I'm interested to hear about if you've had a similar progression. You know, at first you're just like, holy crap, I just saw so-and-so. Or Mm -hmm. I just shook this guy's hand. That was incredible. And then all of a sudden you spend some time with him. When I worked with Huckabee, you know, traveled around with him on a bus a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I respect the guy. I'm glad I'm working for him. But it's like, get over it, people. This guy isn't that amazing. Right. Like... I mean, people falling all over these people, you know what I mean? Going nuts. And so all of a sudden you kind of make this transition where I'm just not that impressed. Yeah. And I even see the way that, that people treat some of the speakers we bring into the Bible conference Mm -hmm. who are these big time preachers or whatever. Somebody's favorite, Alex McFarlane was over there. That's Mm -hmm. somebody's favorite radio guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of like they're going nuts because they just got to meet him, Mm -hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, good for them. But it's kind of like you're not that impressed. And and I feel like being that kind of person has opened even more doors for me. Because, mm-hmm. like, they want to be around someone. Because who, you don't get starstruck and you don't make it uncomfortable yeah. uh, verbally or non-verbally when you're around them. So, yeah. so if, I'm, if I'm back in my political stuff, it's like so-and-so needs a ride to the airport. And they're like, well, let's send him. Cause we know that he's not going to creep on him and just going to drive the car and not like monopolize his time and want to talk oh, yeah. to him all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so, but, but back in the day, if you would have told me, I mean, there's a couple times when I've been sitting somewhere like between this guy and this, I was on the Senate floor for John Roberts confirmation vote. This is like an elite thing. Oh yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. I mean, John Roberts, whatever. Right. But, but if you would have told me at a certain time in my life that I was going to be doing that, I'd been like, Mm-hmm. Does it get any better than that? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I've been like starstruck and falling all over myself. And mm-hmm. but one of the reasons I was there is because I got over that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, so yeah, so absolutely. I mean, 
So your progression from like mm-hmm. Lars Ulrich in the back, Ulrich in the back hallway, mm-hmm. to now you're just hobnobbing with these people, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, um, it it kind of goes back to where people get musicians and stuff will get gigs based on their talent, but we're only on stage a short part of the time. The rest we're having to hang, and we have to be cool to to. Um, you know, accept people for who they are and, and not be all germy, I guess that's a word. What's that mean? And well, it's like, uh, you know, pulling them in different directions. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, you know, sign this for me or, Hey, I've got so-and-so I want you to meet him and yeah, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so, um, when I was younger, uh, it was really easy or easier to, to be starstruck and kind of clam up when you meet somebody and, that those opportunities you know they they come and then they go and you only you know there's a small window of opportunity that you can as with anything business or whatever that you you never get a second chance to make a first impression yes and if you're if you're that way and you look at that in life um different opportunities that i've had to meet these big superstars just being cool and realizing in the back of your head that you know, when they get behind closed doors, they're just like us. Mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, and I've, I've you know, the, the Mike Huckabee uh, show that we played, you know, Colin sang, Mike is a huge fan of Colin's. Mm-hmm. And so. Little rock, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he wanted to play in our band for that. Yeah. And what are we going to say? No. I was like, heck yeah. And he's a pretty decent bass player too. Yeah. yeah. So we played the show and then afterwards, he was getting nervous before he went out to play bass on a song. And, and I remember saying, Governor, that, that's just three minutes of your time. You, you do this TV show every single you know, episode. And, you know, so why are you getting nervous about this? And mm-hmm. he said, because it's something I don't do every single day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense to where mm-hmm. – um, but he was just such a, a cool dude and the different artists, you know, most of the artists that I've been given the opportunity to work with are super cool. Like, we, like the, the, the tour I'm out on right now, I'm currently working with uh, a rock band better than Ezra mm-hmm. and uh, tonic who were real you know, huge back in the day. Yeah. And uh, these guys <laughs> are like a bunch of just friends that you would hang out with. There's, there's no drama and there's um, just, a camaraderie where they treat me like one of the band members. I'm their production manager and I run their front of house sound, mm-hmm. but, um, gotten to know real, I've been with them a year and, um, they're just fantastic. But here's the deal. Like a month ago, well, it, was, it was a month ago when we played a show in Louisiana, we get in, they have drivers for us, limos and stuff at the airport to pick us up that the limo driver was such a huge fan that she was shaking yeah when we got in the car and it was like <laughs> you know and had had the songs on the radio playing too which that's the last thing we want to listen to is our songs on the radio. I, I mean not to be mean but it's just like you know just turn the radio off or whatever but, um, <clears throat> but I, I remember talking to her and I said you know w- without making a big deal I said it's gonna be okay yeah and she was like I'm just so nervous and I said well 
Just drive the car. I'm yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm nervous that you're nervous and yeah. you're in control of this vehicle. So yeah, take deep breaths. It's going to be okay. I promise. You know your your nerves will will, will calm down. And, and she did. And I let everybody out and you know at the hotel and I stayed there with her. And she was like, "Thank you so much," because I literally my heart was beating out of my chest. And she goes, "Please don't tell my boss that." Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. I said I'm not going to say anything, but um, you know it's. It's yeah. us. We're, we're just, you know, we're just totally. fa- family well, so guys and all that. Being around all that, um, w- one time we were, and this, is, I'm not making any political endorsements or statements. This is 2012 before Donald Trump was even running for president. But uh, a guy and I were asked to come out and talk to him about the state of Iowa because mm. he was thinking about running in 2012. Okay. So we go out to New York and we're walking from the Trump hotel that he put us up in across Central Park over to his office and this is surreal. You know what I mean? And oh, then, yeah. And, and this yeah. isn't the Donald Trump we know now. Right. This is just the apprentice Donald Trump yeah. and all the other just stuff. Just a celebrity, yeah. But we're walking across Central Park, and me and this guy who's kind of my mentor and my boss, I mean, we're saying to each other <laughs> over, repeatedly while we're walking over there, just act like you've done this before. Just, just act like you've been there. We do this all the time. We meet with guys like this every day. You know, trying to, like, talk ourselves <laughs> down a little bit. So, yeah. like... For someone like you who's around that kind of stuff all the time, is there anyone or any situation even now where it's just like, holy smokes? Yeah. Um, when I drive, our family and my wife is in the front seat. I'm nervous that she's going to tell me that I'm a horrible driver because she always tells me that, I'm a hor- that I drive too slow and all that stuff. So I'm more nervous sitting in the, the car with my wife than I am of these <laughs> these celebrities. Now, now, granted, I'm not saying that. You know, hopefully the listeners are not like this guy's a jerk. But you know, I learned very early that um, you know we're we're all the same. We all you know, put our like my dad yeah. says. We all put our pants on the same, and yep. it's just that guy wears ten thousand dollar pants, and you, and you don't. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, there's there's some some people that. Um, you know, I've never gotten the chance to meet that if I met them, I would think, wow, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, but, um, but I, I did that when I met you the first time. <laughs> I was like, that's Matt, Matt Resetter. He's, he's a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But, uh, but I try to keep it, um, you know, some events that we, we go to and, um, it's like, wow, that's, um, that's so and so, and and the the bands that I'm currently with will do, will do functions where, you know, there's Secret Service there, mm-hmm. and there's you know Capitol Police there, mm-hmm. and walking around with um, you know House of Representatives, Congress, you know, people and, mm-hmm. and senators, and just like got to meet the I didn't get to meet him, but I saw him, uh, Senator Grassley, in Washington. Here. No, it was here. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. on Sunday. Um, but yeah, but there's. Oh, we did a show. I doubt he's going to any of your rock shows. No, but there's been some that have been at our at our rock shows. That's awesome. You'd never think that they'd be there, and they're they're there. Are they playing the senator card and like trying to get access? Well, and well, they've got act. Believe me, they've got access when <laughs> when they jam those cell phones and they walk in the Capitol oh, Police. Uh, everybody knows who they are. Yeah. So um, yeah. So um, I know you, you got something to get to, but a couple more questions. Sure. Um, how do you see your role in the kingdom 
Like, what, what's the kingdom? So if you're traveling around, I just had a great mm-hmm. conversation with Alex McFarlane on the podcast. We had a conversation at lunch at Buffalo Wild Wings the other day um, about music and the arts and movies and what's okay for Christians to be involved with and how do you handle that some people are more comfortable with this or that. I was talking about Def Leppard, mm-hmm. uh, turning 35, Hysteria, and how I love that album and is it okay for me to say that mm-hmm. as a leader of the Cedar Falls Bible Conference and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, how have you navigated that? Which obviously, I mean, I can get some idea of where you're at on that just based on who you're spending time with and who you're traveling with. Mm-hmm. But then given that, Obviously, if you're serious about Christ, you know, ultimately all of us are here to serve him and his kingdom. So how do you see your role in doing that mm-hmm. in the in the network that he's put you in? Well, like I said earlier, you know, it's it's always been tough to be the only Christian in the band. And, you know, you've got to be sensitive, too, because I, I'm a very bold person um, and, and I will say what I'm thinking within reason but in this kind of industry um you know and i've worked with a lot of christian artists i've worked with country artists and i've worked with a lot of rock artists too and it's they're very different they have the same kind of um business model but there's a little you know bit of a different thing we're all human um i try to start my day in prayer and end my day in prayer um i am just a vessel because it's not me that saves people right i i am given an opportunity to be around these people so i don't take that lightly yeah i'll cut up and carry on but there is a point where we have to stop yeah and say i'm not going to condone this i'm not going to can you give me a specific generic example <clears throat> like uh, like how far will you go as in whatever you're thinking of yeah well not not too far because then I have I always pray for discernment so like can you can you give me I don't want names or but like an example where you cut up and have fun mm-hmm. turns into something that crosses the line and yeah. where you're I'm out well um, I mean there's many many examples and it's it's almost like on a daily basis of what um, of, of what things happen but um, after a show, there's there's talk about going, and um, you know everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's talking, and then um, hey, let's go do this. Yep. And it's like no, like a long, long time ago, there were some organizations that I was with that they were really into drugs, mm-hmm. and I the peer pressure was crazy. Mm-hmm. But you know I have real strict parents that have put the fear into me long, long ago. Mm -hmm. So I would always look for that way out, Mm -hmm. always look for that thing. So I would tell people I have a bad heart Mm -hmm. and I would say, Hey, not, Oh, I'm a Christian and I don't want to do, and you shouldn't do this and blah, blah, blah. Because right then the door shuts to any opportunity to get closer to that person, to share the love of Jesus with them. Mm -hmm. So by saying, Oh, I have a, a, a bad heart. Um, you know, in that instance, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, he's still cool. He's still Matthew, mm-hmm. but I don't have to go there anymore with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so with that, I am able to navigate those types of situations. Not just with that, but you know, the the, the gossips or the 
the um, the telling of the jokes. I know it's today. It's like, eh, that's not that big a deal, Matthew. But there's some jokes that are out there that cause people with a past in different things to stumble. Yeah. Even if it's in the mind. Yeah. And so, and in those, sometimes those little jokes can go a little bit too far in areas that we as Christians should never go to. Yeah. Not even, you know, laugh or, or kind of whatever. So sometimes you just need to walk away. Yeah. And, and the iPhone makes it so easy to do that. Oh yeah. Because you can reach in your pocket, turn around, pull out your phone and walk away. And it appears like you're getting a call. Like you're getting a call or you're, you're getting a text or whatever. So um, don't ever be afraid to do that. But I think that's how the enemy works is that he, he makes it just a little bit at a time, a little bit at yeah. a time. And then he pulls you into that. And you're not, you're not a prude. I mean, because obviously your threshold is low enough or high enough that you're willing to go out on the road with people who aren't Christians and you're the only Christian in the room. Absolutely. But, but there is a, a line. And every one of us discerns that differently according right well, to how the spirit leads us oh absolutely and and here's the deal with secular artists christian artists whatever and i'm i'm not naming any names but i'm just being real the the um is it a no holes barred show can i can i say just basically oh yeah anything? heck yeah uh, okay yeah. um there are some christian artists that i've worked with years and years and years and years ago We've talked about this before on other podcasts that I've done with yeah. others. That are less transparent than the rock and country. Because then they they are real. They are transparent. They You see everything. Yep. And a lot of times those, because they know that everything's out in the open, they're not as bad as some of the people that hide behind. Yeah. You, you totally. see what I'm saying? Totally. So, so in that, um, you know... It's just as hard to be out with those types of bands than it is the secular bands. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, but there again, we're all human and we all need Jesus daily. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the part that I feel that excites me is that every day you're given the opportunity to do what I do mm-hmm. and all the different things that I've been blessed to do. But it was a tremendous responsibility yes. to keep your nose clean yep. because if you don't, the opportunity is ruined Yeah, to share the love of Jesus with somebody and to let them know that, hey, you can meet them where they are. Totally. You don't have to bring them into church to get them saved. Right. You know, that's, that's where it is. So I was going to ask you, do you have any specific stories, again, without names, of somebody who maybe you be in the way that you are in that setting you've had a spiritual impact on? There's been a lot. There's, there's been a lot of those um, where, you know, if you're around somebody or a group or an organization long enough, um, you know, the honeymoon wears off to where everything is smooth mm-hmm. and everything is just in, you know, perfection to there's real problems. Yep. And then being um, in prayer that someone will confide in you, mm-hmm. talk to you, get to know you. Um, you know, your your life is under a microscope anyway. Mm-hmm. If you if you profess to be a Christian, because then it's like, oh, to an unbeliever, if you say you're a Christian, then you cannot sin, right? Because if you do, then you're either a liar. 
yep. or you're a different, you know, person that, Oh, you know, I don't want to be involved with that right. because I'm, I'm better than he is or she is. Yeah. You see? Yep. So with that, um, you just start these talks and by being available, by being, you know, in prayer, it's amazing how much the Lord and the Holy Spirit will send people your way because the Lord loves all of us, Amen. especially the, the unbelievers, because he wants an intimate relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and that's why he died on the cross was for that guy yeah. or that girl. And so by being available, Matt, it's, it's amazing mm-hmm. when, when you, but then you have to get yourself out of the way. You just have to kind of lead people to it. Let them, because you, you can't be judgmental. You can't be, you still have to be real Yeah. and, and share with them the plan of salvation and the plan bigger than that, the plan that the Lord has for us, Yeah. you know, with that. And um, that really applies to all of us. Oh, all absolutely. of us. I mean, you don't have to be hanging out with rock stars no, daily. to do that. That's all of us. Absolutely. How do we approach and be strategic? Uh, one last question about to turn 50. I think I did the math. Yeah, I'm. Uh, what do you think about that? December, I'll be 49. I was born in 73. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so you so still got a year. December. I'm yeah. 40. I'm gonna be 47. 47. Yeah, I'm gonna be 47. So it I mean, it took you a while to think. Of yeah, how it did. You it are. did. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Like, I think once I turn 45, that our memory just goes and our energy kind of goes too. And are we getting old? It's happening. Is it? It's happening. But how are you embracing it? Well, are you it, fighting it? Doesn't denial. You at all? Denial. It's totally denial. I'm denying <laughs> now. Um, it's uh, it's good. But remember when we were really little or young, we thought 30 was old. Oh yeah. We thought you know 40 was. I remember when my dad turned 40. We got the black balloons and all oh, over the hill and all that. At 40, <laughs> that was yeah. Yeah, that was a while ago for me. But don't but you yes. just feel? I, I I feel like I'm spending it as well as I know how. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm not perfect, not by a long shot. Right. And are there things I do over? Of course, not any huge things. Right. And praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. Haven't blown my family up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And love what I'm doing. And I mean, you feel a contentment. Absolutely. Oh yeah. There's uh, it's it's a good time. You know, a, a lot of people that I'm around, they, they will say, Oh, you know, they're grumpy old crotchety people (laughs) that are my age, but they're just living in that past of, Oh, well, when I was younger, I did this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, what are you doing now? Because you still could do, you know, a lot of cool things now. Tori Robinson, who we just did a Q and a with one of the preachers here, he just retired and he made it clear that he retired from his previous church and he in no way intends to be retired, retired. In fact, I got the impression that he's not going to retire, retire. Like, there's always something to do. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have this, like, end line at 62 and a half years old or whenever. Yeah. Um, well, my parents are huge, uh, you know, examples to me because my dad's 78. He'll be 79 in November. And he's long retired, but he's he's working a full-time job right now as a medical courier. You know, he Love just it. loves to be around people. My mom has uh, retired from the banking business years, probably 20 some years ago. And now not only is my business manager and takes care of all my accounting stuff at the, at the hobby shop, but she does it for the church and she does it for, you know, everybody else. And it's like, wow, I hope I'm going strong 
when when I'm you know I hope I get to their age. <laughs> if anybody wants to track you down, do you have a website or social media or anything? Um, I'm on uh, the Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. It's uh, this is Matthew Stevens, and then my uh, hobby shop is Extreme Hobby Shop, uh, Spring Hill, Tennessee. But uh, but yeah, reach out and. You know, if anybody needs to talk, if they're going through the same kind of situation, uh, you know, a lot of musicians will reach out, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, entertainers, and just just want to chat or whatever. And sometimes they'll keep in touch with me on the different tours that I go out on, in different cities, and we'll meet for coffee, you know, and we'll just kind of have a, a a little, you know, fellowship together and go over with whatever they're they're going through, and uh, it's a it's a really cool, you know, opportunity for me to meet everybody and, you know, talk about my family with them and talk about their family with them. And cool. Yeah. So, well, Hey, I'm so glad we came across you guys and it sounds like you'll be back again next year. So I've uh, heard we've been invited back. Thanks so much, yes, Matt. Thank you for what you're doing here. And you've been a real, uh, you know, testimony to us as well for what you do and what you've done, um, here. And, um, you know, thanks for being my friend. Man. Absolutely. Let's keep it going. Absolutely. Thanks. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.